Hi, I'm Mona Chattel, and you're listening to On the Pulse, a podcast from the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing. On this podcast, we take a deep dive into the experiences of frontline providers and researchers. We explore their insights and invaluable stories of how healthcare works in today's world. This month, I'm excited to welcome Dr. Sarah Allgood, Assistant Professor at the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing. Dr. Allgood's research focuses on the role of pain and other symptoms among individuals with cystic fibrosis. She hopes to develop interventions to help manage symptoms, especially in those with advanced lung disease. Dr. Allgood is a PhD graduate from the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing. Prior to her PhD studies, she was a clinical research nurse at the NIH Clinical Center and a research nurse at the Johns Hopkins Cystic Fibrosis Center, where she was responsible for the development and management of national level clinical trials. It's great to have you here, Sarah. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure. So to help set the stage for our discussion, and for anyone who may not know, what exactly is cystic fibrosis? Well, cystic fibrosis, or CF, is an autosomal recessive disease. Um, It affects about 60,000 people in the United States, about 75,000 people worldwide. And it's caused by a mutation in the gene that produces uh, this very specific protein called the CFTR protein, uh, the cystic fibrosis transmembrane protein. Um, And this protein is normally embedded into the membranes of epithelial cells, which help to regulate the flow of salt in and out of those cells. Um, So in those uh, people who have uh, these mutations, the protein is either built incorrectly or it's not built at all. Uh, And this causes the production of mucus, digestive enzymes, and sweat to be disrupted. Because if we think back um, to our our, uh, education, we we know that epithelial cells are found everywhere in the body um, and they do a lot of uh, secretion uh, functions. So um, these secretion functions are disrupted. Um, CF primarily manifests itself though as a lung disease. So uh, I know that I was always taught this is a lung disease, uh, but because of uh, the fact that it affects all of these epithelial cells, then the CFTR dysfunction can affect uh, other areas of the body and create comorbidities such as pancreatic insufficiency, uh, the development of sinus disease, liver disease, diabetes, and infertility. And uh, we know that there's about 1,700 different mutations uh, in the CFTR protein that can cause CF. Uh, so depending on which mutation is present, the disease uh, can present itself in, in different ways. So Sarah, what, is, what does a typical day look like for someone with cystic fibrosis? It's going to vary greatly depending on um, how severe the disease is manifesting in somebody. But in a typical um, patient with CF, they're going to have many hours a day of uh, of CF treatments. Uh, so inhaled medications, maybe utilizing a, a shaker vest uh, that uh, helps to mobilize their lung secretions, uh, doing some um, a lot of recommended physical activity to help bring up a lot of the the thick secretions that are created from the disease. Um, But for the most part, 
day-to-day life uh, looks much like it does for everybody else. Um, Individuals with CF go to school, they have jobs, they raise families, and um, it it really is, though, dependent on the uh, disease severity that they're experiencing and uh, the the symptoms that are are manifesting uh, as a result of their disease. Of course, if uh, their lung uh, infections um, become an exacerbation where the the lung infections become um, more symptomatic and are causing an increase in coughing and fever, then uh, individuals may have to come to the hospital for uh, IV antibiotic therapies, or uh, they might be able to administer their IV antibiotic therapies at home. but you know, day-to-day life, uh, aside from the many hours of, of lung treatments, um, looks like much like for everybody else. <laughs> oh, thanks, Sarah. Can you talk a little bit about the treatment of cystic fibrosis and how has that progressed over the years? Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, uh, about 25 years ago, CF was considered a childhood terminal disease. Um, And a lot of research has gone into the development of evidence-based clinical guidelines uh, that have helped standardize CF care across um, our healthcare systems. We've also had really uh, drastic improvements in how the lung infections are treated. Um, We've improved the use of digestive enzymes to help uh, improve absorption and digestion of food. And then uh, some new drugs have been developed. Uh, One of the drugs, Pulmazyme, was uh, developed a few years ago as an inhaled medication that will thin out the mucus and the thick secretions that are produced as a result of this disease. Um, But, you know, we don't have a cure for CF, uh, but we've... uh, the CF uh, research community has tried really, really hard to um, to find new medications that can help maybe um, make this dysfunctional CFTR protein work. Um, and we call these medications highly effective modulator therapies. Um, so um, many of you might have seen a, a press release that was uh, put out back in October of 2019 uh, for a new drug called Trikafta. And Trikafta is one of these highly effective modulator therapies. Um, And it actually corrects how this CFTR protein is folded. Um, It allows that protein, now that is kind of built a little bit more correctly to move up into the cell membrane where it should be. And then it... um, potentiates that protein, it helps it stay open to allow salt to move um, in and out of the cells a little bit easier. Um, So, you know, these highly effective modulator therapies are, um, are a game changer for how we think the progression of CF is going to look um, in the future. And Sarah, that must have um, had an impact on life expectancy. So what does quality of life look like for persons with cystic fibrosis and and what's their typical um, life expectancy? I, that's a great question, and and one I wish I had an easy answer for. Um, if you'd asked me a 
a, a year ago, then I could easily tell you that the latest data um, released by the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation uh, in 2019, I believe it was, uh, reported the median age of death in the United States for someone with CF was 30, about 32 years. Um, and the life expectancy was uh, about 46 years, meaning someone born uh, that year would could expect to live uh, 46 years out. Um, however, <laughs> these new highly effective modulator therapies are um, really dramatically improving lung function and dramatically improving how people feel with um, living with their CF. So we really don't yet have a clear picture of, of how the life expectancy will change. Um, but as far as quality of life, um, you know, because of the manifestations of this being a lung disease and recurrent lung infections, uh, you can imagine there's a lot of um, coughing, a lot of um, fatigue that comes out of living with, um, with being chronically infected. Um, and then, of course, because of the effects on multiple body systems, um, individuals can experience pain, they can experience um, difficult uh, GI symptoms um, uh, and, and quality of life is, is something that we really uh, try to focus on and help people manage. And Sarah, that's what your research is focusing on right now, right? Um, pain and these other symptoms. What else can you tell, you about, tell us about um, you know, what you're studying within that context? Sure. Um, so my, uh, my research has really focused on the role of pain on clinical outcomes. So uh, individuals who have cystic fibrosis and pain, um, how does that pain really affect um, their quality of life, their life expectancy, and how well they can manage other aspects of CF? So when uh, Trikafta came out, um, I was really interested in understanding if Trikafta not only improves lung function and lung-related symptoms, but if we see also improvements in other symptoms. So one of my current studies, which was funded by the Blaustein Pain Research Committee here at Hopkins, is assessing if other symptoms such as pain are improved over time uh, with this uh, highly effective modulator therapies. What we did is we asked people about their various physical symptoms, as well as anxiety and depression before they started Trikafta, and then had them complete the measures, uh, these same questions, every two weeks for three months and a one-year follow-up. Um, and really, our aim is to see if, if non-pulmonary symptoms also improve, and if they do, how much, and is that improvement able to be sustained over time? Um, I'm also very fortunate to be working on a study with Dr. Kristen Reichert as the principal investigator. Uh, this study is funded by the CF Foundation, and we're looking at using a telehealth wellness program um, to see if we can improve on fatigue, sleep, pain, and mental distress. And uh, this wellness program is um, looking at using things like cognitive behavioral therapy and um, and devices to improve physical activity uh, to see if we can um, impact, impact those symptoms. And um, 
I, what I think is, is a, a, an important aspect of this study is that uh, our intervention is being delivered through telehealth, um, which is, um, you know, very important considering that many people with CF live in areas with limited access to mental health support. And then, of course, uh, you know, the pandemic has just caused so many healthcare services to go online. It sounds like great intervention, Sarah. Um, Will they be, like, assuming they're uh, effective, and you've already talked about the the modulator therapies, are are they going to be available to, to everyone who needs it? And that may be yeah, a question. That's but... a, I mean, it's, a, it's a, a really important question though, right? What, what is um, the accessibility of these new medications? And um, to, first off, the, the medications are ridiculously expensive. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking, you know, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, so, um, what we do have in the CF community is a really strong foundation. Um, so the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation is um, a national foundation that was really started by parents who had children with CF and has developed itself into being um, a, a really important um, uh, foundation that can leverage um, policy and can leverage um, relationships with pharmaceutical and insurance companies. So um, the, the short answer is yes, uh, we hope that everybody who qualifies for the medication um, will be able to get it. And we have a, a wonderful team of pharmacists and um, and social workers who are helping to make sure that um, anybody who qualifies for those medications can get them. Great, thanks, Sarah. Uh, what about COVID-19? Um, how has COVID affected uh, persons with cystic fibrosis? Well, um, here at the uh, Johns Hopkins Adult CF Center, we've had about 20 patients who have tested positive for the disease, and thankfully none have required hospitalization. Um, it's interesting though, because a lot of uh, the measures that people, that the CDC and, and we as healthcare professionals are recommending that people take um, to prevent the spread of COVID, such as wearing a face mask, socially distancing, um, maybe not shaking hands, um, those practices have been um, have have been in place for uh, individuals with CF before the pandemic. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, there there are things that people have um, have um, always done, and. Um, but just as with everybody else, I think the, the biggest toll that the pandemic has had um, is uh, just really the strict social isolation and mm-hmm. the effect of ang- on anxiety and depression. Um, and, you know, hopefully once uh, the vaccines um, become accessible, more accessible to more and more people than, um, than you know, not just for the individuals of CF, but for everybody, right. we can really start um, healing and working on, on decreasing those mental distress symptoms. 
So what do you hope for the future? That's my last question. The future of, for persons with cystic fibrosis. Uh, and how will your research help? I mean, <laughs> what I really hope is for a yeah. cure. <laughs> yes, really of course. Yes. Um, you know, um, will I be able to do that? No. <laughs> but so where Maybe. I can contribute, well, you know, I can contribute um, really by by just really helping people manage their symptoms and um, have improvements in quality of life. And I think, um, you know, my pain gives a voice to those who are living with these symptoms, especially with pain, which is often a silent symptom that isn't well um um, kind of validated in the clinical setting. And uh, so I, I really just want my research to help people live more comfortably and with better health outcomes. Thank you for that, Sarah. And I think your role as a nurse in this area is so incredibly important. So thank you for the work that you do. You're Again, welcome. the guest on our show, thank you. Today, the guest on our show is Dr. Sarah Allgood, a nurse researcher who is studying cystic fibrosis and how to help patients manage pain and their symptoms. It was wonderful talking with you today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of On the Pulse. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone you know and subscribe through Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. Be sure to also check out our On the Pulse blog and Facebook Live series. You can learn more about the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing at nursing.jhu.edu. Thanks again for listening.